Sport Psychiatry, a subspecialty where treatment of the athlete is the focus of practice. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Antonia Baum. Dr. Baum is a founding board member and the vice president of the International Society for Sport Psychiatry. She is also assistant clinical professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at George Washington University School of Medicine. In addition to all that, she maintains an active private practice in Chevy Chase, Maryland, where she has worked with professional, college, and high school athletes, as well as with weekend warriors. Welcome. Thank you, Leslie. I'm so happy to be here today. Dr. Baum, most of us have never heard of sports psychiatry. Can you fill us in? What what is it that you do? I see it in a fairly broad terms as anything that incorporates the intersection between sports and psychiatry. So where the primary focus is on treating athletes, one of the things that I try to help people understand what the field is about is to make a distinction between what a lot of us know about, which is sports psychology and sports psychiatry. We can all sort of imagine images of the Olympic ice skater at the rink with her sports psychologist rinkside kind of giving her a pep talk just as she's about to go out onto the ice or the sports psychologist with the alpine racer at the top of the mountain kind of helping him go through his visual imagery as he goes down the slope. So the focus there is on performance enhancement, where a sports psychiatrist's focus is about pathology and treating pathology in the athlete in any of a number of areas. Ah, okay. So so it is really very different from sports psychology. It really is. Now, how did you get interested in this? Well, all my life I've been involved in athletics, and I've also known that I was going to go into medicine from the time I was probably about six years old. And so I, I got it into my head that I was going to somehow combine the practice of sports and, and the practice of medicine And so the logical place to do that in medicine we all think of is orthopedic surgery. But I discovered that the orthopedic residents never had time to go out and do sports anymore because they were always in the OR. (laughs) That's right. Nor much of anything else. That's right. So what exactly do you do as a sports psychiatrist? In the early days, one of the things that I did a lot of was psychoeducation because I was trying to get the field off the ground, and so I needed to be defining it. So I was doing, as a resident training in psychiatry, I was doing a rotation at the student health service at an Ivy League college, and I went to the athletic director, who thankfully was very psychologically minded and sort of made a pitch to him, and I started giving talks to the coaches, the trainers, and sometimes to the athletes about things like anabolic steroid abuse, eating disorders, anything that I could think of where I could see a marriage between the two areas. And remarkably, though, initially there was a lot of resistance, what would inevitably happen is that I would get, you know, an athlete who was suffering from depression or an anxiety disorder, and it just kind of grew from there. So do you focus just on the athlete then? Well, no. You know, it's it's an interesting question. Sometimes the parents of athletes are an important part of it. So, you know, there's a role for, let's say, family therapy. An example would be what some of my colleagues have coined the term achievement by proxy, There's some fascinating cases about, let's say, young gymnasts or figure skaters who are so pushed by their parents who are getting vicarious satisfaction that you find that a child ends up really being abused emotionally, sometimes verbally, sometimes physically, either by coaches, by parents. And so sometimes there's a real need for intervention at a family therapy level. There are times when I have treated an entire team 
and I sort of perceive of the team as a family so that coaches are sometimes involved in the treatment as well. So why might you see an entire team? I can think of an example where, and, and let me just preface all of this by saying that any clinical cases that I will present, I will either, because of the obvious sensitivity of psychiatric cases, either going to present cases where athletes have already sort of gone public with their stories, or I will disguise the details. So I can recall a, a team that I worked with where there was kind of a, a love triangle thing going on between coach, assistant coach, and player, where there was a lot of tension then among players who were excluded from this triangle, so that you know there was a, a concern about favoritism, and the tension on the team just escalated. And there was also some psychopathology in one of the athletes who had depression it culminated in a suicide attempt. You know, it sounds like the stuff of fiction, but, you know, this kind of thing really does happen. And I felt that the only way to really address this complex web of problems was through a team intervention as a group therapy. Well, that must be quite a challenge to see an entire team. Do sports psychiatrists typically specialize in a single sport? Not typically, but there are some who have sort of aligned themselves with let's say, a particular type of pro team, maybe football, and that might be a reflection of their own athletic past. If, if that's been their passion, then they might, either because they know more about that or because the athletes can identify more with them, that might be their choosing. But most of us are more generalists. So I guess our patients tend to seek us out because of our own athletic backgrounds often. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Leslie Lent, your host, and with me today is Dr. Tony Baum, Vice President of the International Society for Sports Psychiatry. Tony, I would imagine that specific sports have unique issues. Is, is that true? Very true. What kind of examples can you give us? Well, one of the first examples that would come to mind where there are some psychiatric difficulties that are, in fact, engendered by the sport itself would be eating disorders in a gymnast, where image is so critical that a large part of scoring is based on the aesthetic of the sport. And so there's a tremendous focus on body image. And that comes from coaches, from fellow team members, from the media. And also, if you just look at the physics of a gymnast, the ones who are smaller and closer to the ground and lighter are able to flip through the air with more ease and grace. So that would be kind of a pervasive example. I would think, too, in gymnasts, I remember uh, some of the Eastern European women going through this, that as they age and their body changes and becomes more uh, womanly instead of girl-like, that, that that's a huge stressor for them. It is, actually. You know, a lot of these gymnasts, their careers are so foreshortened because of this. And one of the things that their eating disorders are perpetuated by is their need to sort of stave off puberty and menarche so that they don't gain too much weight and don't develop in ways that will alter their gymnastic abilities. And you look at people like Nadia Komenich, who distinguished herself by being the first to score a perfect 10 in the Olympic Games, and her trajectory in her career was very sad. There was a point where she actually attempted suicide by drinking bleach. And I don't think she necessarily thought she was going to die, but the idea that she could sort of extricate herself from practice and be taken away to the sanctuary of a hospital for even a few days was motivation enough for her to do that. So the stresses are enormous. I would think, too, in all sports that, that you raised an interesting issue, that if 
your crowning life achievement happens when you're 15 and it's all downhill from there, you know, that must that must be a horrific problem for these athletes in, in any sport where youth is valued. Yes, well, this is one of the big issues that we do deal with in sports psychiatry, covering many sports and for many different reasons. Yes, generally, athletic careers are very brief, and because elite athletes are so single-mindedly focused on the pursuit of their sport, they tend to do it to the exclusion of all else, whether it's intellectual development, social development. And so at the end of a relatively brief career, they're left with sometimes very few skills other than their athletic abilities and oftentimes are beaten up literally and figuratively by their involvement in their sport. Examples would be NFL players who have suffered multiple concussions or have had such severe musculoskeletal injuries that they're left with crippling arthritis or chronic pain. And there's actually an organization one of my colleagues is involved with that was started by Jerry Cooney, a Golden Gloves boxer, called FIST that's specifically designed to assist boxers in their retirement with moving on into other careers. So we've talked about gymnasts, uh, football players, any other kinds of unique issues that are common in certain sports? We talked about eating disorders and body image. You know, there are certain sports where low body fat is actually advantageous to the sport, like swimming, long-distance running. And so sometimes one could say almost legitimately the athlete is pushed to kind of maintain what might be an otherwise unhealthy weight. And then there are sports where there's a need to make weight for competition. So we're focusing at the moment on eating disorders, but this is a a unique area of difficulty and controversy would be uh, young wrestlers, jockeys, people who race crew in lightweight boats, that there is a need to make weight. So what often happens is let's take a high school wrestler as an example. And there was even a study that was done on uh, kids who were wrestling And they looked at a bunch of kids who had been football players in the fall and needed to transition from being sort of a football body to a wrestling body by wintertime. And they found that many of these athletes used pathological methods of weight reduction to transition from the football season to the wrestling season, which would include binging, purging, use of diuretics and laxatives, but also they would engage in these sweat runs where they put on rubber suits or multiple sweatsuits and go out running in the heat to try to drop weight. And you can imagine that adolescents who are growing and developing how counterproductive and dangerous this is. And there actually uh, was a, a reported death of a young wrestler who was trying to make this transition. Obviously very important for those primary care physicians listening to be aware of these sorts of things. Isn't it true that usually team doctors are are internists or pediatricians or primary care docs that that may not understand or be aware of some of these psychiatric implications? Yeah, very true. And that, that brings to mind another area that I think is important for primary care to be mindful of just in routine evaluations is, first of all, athletes normally see a GP, and that may be all they see. So the GP may be the only one there, you know, like doing a sports physical, to identify psychiatric difficulties in general or specific things like anabolic steroid abuse, which is so rampant among young adolescent boys in particular. What kinds of warning signs would you look for for anabolic steroid abuse? You would look for kind of a 
a rather dramatic change in bodily habitus with, you know, sort of enlarged muscles. I actually have a colleague who came up with a mathematical strategy for looking at a before and after picture and being able to prove, he asserts, that one has abused anabolic steroids. Acne, episodes of aggression, depression, rage would be among those. Hepatomegaly, there's a lot of physical signs one can look for related to anabolic steroid abuse. Well, thank you so much for coming on Clinician's Roundtable. We've been speaking with Dr. Antonia Baum and discussing sports psychiatry. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening, and I hope to visit with you soon.